This week on Merchants of Change, we've got Lexi Gilbert. Lexi swam at the University of Richmond before starting her sales career at Clavio. Today, she's a sales director at Datasite focused on the Boston private equity market. Here she is, Lexi Gilbert. I'm JR Bunker co-founder and CEO of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes and military veterans into becoming a professional salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. What's up, kid? Today on the show, we got Lexi Gilbert. Lexi, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, JR. It's good to be here. I'm excited. So for a little bit of context, um, where our show is, is our audience is really, you know, new salespeople, people who are kind of thinking about that career shift into sales. And and our mission at Shift Group is we help uh, elite athletes, so former college professional Olympic athletes and military veterans become elite sales professionals, right? And our all of our guests that we try to have on are, are former athletes or veterans who've, who've really found success in sales. So where we like to kind of start the conversation is is in your sports, your coaching career. So we we like to ask a really broad question. If, if I asked you to recall some of your favorite memories of swimming, where, do, where does your mind drift off to, Lexi? Oh, you know, it goes to like my team in the locker room or like the dining hall after a hard practice and we're just like inhaling like 3000 calories <laughs> um, or training trip. I mean, all those kind of remind me of just like being with the team, we're grinding through hard sets and it was an all girls team. So there weren't any guys involved. It was just purely us. It was like 25 girls and they're like my sisters, which is awesome. Like they, uh, we worked hard. We had fun together. Um, yeah, it was just a solid group of ladies. <laughs> That's amazing. I, my answer is always the locker room too. So we're on yeah. the same page there. Uh, Cause like, you know, the best part of sports is definitely your teammates. And I'm, I'd love to get your take. Like when you look back at some of your favorite teammates from Richmond, what are like some of the traits and or characteristics that your favorite teammates all share? There's distinctly like two girls that come to mind when I, when you ask this, like they were so loud. Um, they were so just like energetic and they were just the person that was always shouting across the pool. Um, I think if there's one thing that my coach really instilled is like everyone was super supportive and we were super vocal in practice. Like no one's getting left behind. Like everyone's grinding through something and you know, whether you're in a super hard set, it's a super hard practice, or if it's just like a nice, easy day, like everyone was being supportive of each other. And, um, you know, I think those loud vocal girls on my team, myself included, like that gets people going when stuff's hard. And, and that was, that was good. That's awesome. How, how do you think, um, how do you think your teammates would, uh, would describe you from Richmond? Ooh, <laughs> probably like, I was definitely the energetic one um, on the team. I think freshman year through senior year, just always, we would blast music. Um, my coach always played the Foo Fighters during hard sets. So by the end, I knew every lyric of the Foo Fighters songs. Um, 
So definitely one of the more energetic ones. But by like senior year, I felt like I took on like a mom kind of role on the team. Definitely, <laughs> um, you know, supporting the the freshmen, making sure they felt comfortable, kind of being that that resource for them to to lean on. That's awesome. That that yeah. that leader that leadership role as you go up in in your uh, you know to an upperclassman is is super important. Um, yeah. What do you what do you when you look back at your swimming career, is there like an accomplishment that, that you're really proud of or most proud of? There's one race that like will always stick out to me. Um, my sophomore year, I had a kind of mediocre freshman year and uh, sophomore year, my coach took us to Kansas and I had a pretty terrible 5k open water race. Um, we were on the plane ride home and he was sitting next to me. And I just remember him making me cry in the middle of a plane with a whole bunch of people around me. And he was like, what are we doing this year? Like, how are we going to kind of move past this? And we spent that entire plane ride writing down on a sheet of paper, like what my goals were, how am I going to execute this? What am I going to try to achieve come conference championship? And, uh, what is it? Five months later at a 10 championships for my race, which is the 400 I am. Um, we executed and I carried that sheet with me to every single swim meet and I brought it with me to A-10s and I ended up like dropping five seconds in the race. It was the the fastest time I've ever swam it. And uh, it was just one of those moments of like, I was so low and sad on that airplane and I'll always remember that and being so embarrassed. But then that accomplishment of that race at A-10s, like that was, that was awesome. That's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. And and talk about like a life lesson in terms of like goals, execution plan and consistency. Like, oh. are you kidding me? That's Literally. unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I mean, that piece of paper by the end of the season was ripped and teared and had watermarks all over it. But having that kind of tangible thing to hold that I think held me accountable It held him accountable. And we knew what we were working towards. And I kind of see it come into fruition. Like that was, that was a good like aha moment of like, I don't know, outside of life too, right? Like set goals and, and this yeah. is how you execute it. And it was cool to see. That's awesome. Um, now, so you're, you know, senior year at Richmond, you're, you're working through your practice, practice sets and, yeah. you know, you're just, you're just dreaming of the day that you can start cold calling and selling technology. Am <laughs> totally. I right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So, you know, most people, right, this is why we started our company. Most people trip and fall into sales. I, I'd love to hear, like, what's your what's your story? How'd you end up in sales? Were there other career paths that you spent time exploring? Honestly, no. Like, my dad was a recruiter in the software space. So I was like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I was like, I need some sort of direction. So, like, let me just choose software. Um, by no means am I a coder or any yeah. of the like. So... I knew I was a talker. So I was like, okay, that's that, that lends itself to sales. Um, I took a professional selling class in college and I remember there was like a competition we had to do and my team won that. And I was like, all right, like this, this could be fun. Um, and then I think what really clicked for me was I realized in myself, like because of swimming, I like clear distinctions of success. Like that's the best way for me to describe it. What I mean by that is in swimming, you had to get a certain time to qualify for a meet. And there was always that either you have it or you don't. 
And with sales, it's really similar. It's like, hey, you have this quota over you. Either you get it, great, or you don't. And it's kind of up to you if you get it or not. And so I think that really translated to my experience in swimming because it's a team sport, but it's also very much an individual sport. And uh, that clear distinction of success, I like the the transparency of it. And uh, either you have it or you don't. <laughs> um, so true. That's one of the things we talk about, right? Like we're, you know, pressure is a privilege. Like we're lucky that we... We know at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year, we know whether we were successful or we failed. Yeah. There's not a lot of professions out there where that, where it's very, very clear yeah. whether or not you did your job. Um, yeah. Now, what do you remember when you look back at like your first few months of being a BDR at Clavio? Yeah. Um, what do you remember about that? Were there things that came naturally to you and, and things that you struggled with? Like, what was that like? You know, it was tough. I think one, like I started in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, so I was working remotely in my parents' basement and that in itself was challenging. Um, you know, I was trying to learn Salesforce as a 22 year old from my parents' basement. Like that's just, that's just challenging in itself. Um, not having someone supporting you. Uh, but you know, I think the what I was good at is I was comfortable talking to people that were not my age. Like a lot of the individuals I was speaking with were experienced marketers who had been in the role for decades on end, and I still felt confident in myself to like have conversations with them and ask questions. Um, but I would say is like my experience at Clavio, I did struggle in a sense of like confidence in myself. If I didn't feel 100% prepared, I would kind of second guess myself in some ways. Um, and that's something that I have really worked on. Like, even if I'm not fully prepared for a conversation, knowing that I can like, hey, I, I can talk to these people and I'll be fine. And um, yeah, it was it was a learning experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there is. I mean, it sounds like a negative, but there is a little like fake it till you make it kind of attitude yeah. you need to have because you're drinking you are literally drinking from a bar hose for your first yeah. six months really um i have things that like i look back on early in my career that i'm like man i wish i could have a do over there do you, do you have anything in in from those early days of your career that like you would you know maybe it's something you do now that you wish you did back then or like anything that you would kind of do differently um or do over if you had the chance I think the confidence piece, like towards the later half of my time at Clavio when I was an account executive, I really struggled with confidence in my sales ability. Um, and now my current job, that's something I've worked so much on. And I realized that when you're not confident, it comes out and when you're in your selling and people can pick up on that. So I wish I believed in myself more and gave myself more credit. Um, what I will say is like, you know, spending time at Clavio and then moving to my current job now at data site, like I, I don't regret that change. Um, I knew it was time for me to move on. And I was proud of myself for recognizing that, hey, it, it's time to do something different. Um, so yeah, you know, each experience kind of gave me what I needed it to. Yeah. And, 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 you know, as somebody who also, uh, you know, early in my career worked for a company like Clavio in the sense of like high growth, high pressure, you know, uh, track to a, a, an IPO slash, in my case, an acquisition. Yeah. There's so much you learn in that type of environment that you don't get going to like 
you know, a bigger, more established kind of maintenance mode company. So I'm sure yeah. you're, you're glad you did that, right? Oh, totally. Like when I first joined the sales team, it was probably around like 45 of us. And by the time I left, it was like 150. And wow. so there's, there's pros and cons to that kind of growth. Um, you know, yes. the pros was that, Hey, I got promoted really quickly. So like, that was really cool. Um, but the, you know, the cons for me personally, I think, you know, having more training that would have like done me well, and that would have helped my confidence. But regardless is like at 22 years old, 23 years old, I was having conversations with chief marketing officers of brands that I looked up to on Instagram. Like that was really cool. Um, so it was, it was a good experience. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, I'm, I'm sure you get a lot of these calls, you know, being somebody who, who played a sport in school, you know, you probably keep in touch with the with the institution. And, and like, I'm curious to know, like, if if when you get those calls from, you know, a senior student athlete at, at, at like a Richmond yeah. and they start, you know, you start talking about sales, like what do you what, what kind of questions are you asking people to see if like should they be a salesperson and, and is it worth pursuing for them specifically? Like, I'd want to know like what drives you, um, in swimming, there was like two different types of swimmers. There were the ones that love to hunt and the ones that love to get out in front and go as far as possible. And so, you know, I'd ask first and foremost, like, Hey, are you the type of person likes to chase down something or do, would you rather like get out in front and see how far past you can go? Um, I was kind of the latter. Like I like to get out quick and go as far as possible for my quota. So I think if you like that kind of hunting and chasing mentality or um, having some sort of like goal in mind, that that then helps, I think, lend yourself to, to sales. The other piece is like, you know, there's so many different types of sales and I didn't realize that. So I think being aware of what types of sales there are that definitely helps. Um, the role I'm in now, I did not realize was a job, um, candidly. Like at Clavio, I think I would just knew like, oh, tech company, um, I'm going to be a BDR and reach out to companies. But there's so much more to sales than just kind of a transactional sell. There's relationship building sales. Um, so I think kind of asking those questions like, what intris- intrinsically motivates you? Um, and how does that lend itself to the certain types of sales that there are? It's such a good point too, right? Like, and, and, and even beyond like the difference in transactional and relationship building is um, like the different industries of sales, right? Like in software, yeah. you've got enterprise, commercial, you've got account management, customer success, channel, like all these other things that will lend itself to certain personality traits and behaviors. But yeah. there's also different industries, right? Like, you know, I would argue that somebody who is, you know, likes to be in person all the time and also wants to build long-term relationships, like they should look at the med device route or, you know, the pharmaceutical route or, you know, something like that. And then there's, you know, financial services. And so, you know, a lot of people discount the fact that one in nine full-time jobs in the labor market are sales jobs, like by definition. And then, the other, you know, I think that's 13%. The other 87%, um, they're selling in, in their jobs. Like if you're a doctor, you got to sell the treatment plan, right? So, yeah. you know, I, I'm glad that there's people like you 
out there kind of helping destigmatize sales because I do think it does get a bad rap. It's just, we've just done a really bad job from a PR perspective. Um, totally, totally. How are you, how, uh, so if somebody kind of has the right answer, it's clear they should be a salesperson. How are you coaching them on like the, you know, you made a great choice. I made a great choice, but I got lucky. Um, and I'm sure you can appreciate that. But like, how do you coach that person on like where they think about starting their career? What should they be looking for in a company and a team and all those types of things? You know, I, it, it totally depends on the person. Like I remember when I first started, I'm from Annapolis, Maryland, and I was like, I knew I didn't want to be in Maryland. I knew I didn't want to be in New York City. So where does that land me? So first, I kind of started with location. And then I was like, okay, now I, I picked Boston as my destination. What kind of industry do I want to be a part of? And at the time, e-commerce was really appealing to me. Um, you know, we were in the middle of COVID and Clavio focuses on e-commerce businesses. So for me, it was like, great, I can work with these mom and pop shops who now all of a sudden have to sell online. Like I really believed in the mission of the company. Um, so I think first you got to believe in the product um, of what you're going to sell, um, you know, figure out your location of, hey, where do you want to live? But then after that, like understand what the sales process looks like. Um, do you want to be in a high volume kind of sales role? where you're just talking to someone and you'll never see them again after you sell them. Like some people love that. They just want to sell and move on. Or do you want to build relationships with people and, you know, sell to them again and again and again? Um, I didn't realize what motivated me until I had the experience of one versus the other. Um, at Clavio, it was very much, I'm only going to be talking to the individuals over Zoom. I'll never see them again after they buy. And I felt like something was missing with that. Um, and so I found my job now where I'm selling to people that are my age. Uh, it feels like I'm just having conversations with friends and I get to take them out to dinner and I get to go to Bruins games or whatnot. Like that relationship aspect for me is huge. So I think finding what kind of sales appeals to you um, just thinking about all the nuances is really important. Yeah. And, and I, I do think that there is something to be said too, of like realizing, you know, it's 2023, most likely you're not going to go to a company and be there for 30 years. Like your parents yeah. were right. Yeah. Um, it's also okay. Cause it is self-awareness is, can be a struggle at that age. And I do think like doing what you did, which is trying out a couple different things and, and figuring that out. That's okay too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you're, you're not going to know what you like and, until you actually do it. And it took me almost two great years at Clavio to realize like, hey, I love this company. I believe in the product, but it's just not for me. Um, I got to do something that appeal. I still want to be in sales, but I got to find something that fits more my personality. And my job today is whining and dining and I realized in myself, like, hey, I want to be a people connector. Um, I want, you know, my clients to come to me because they know I work with someone else at another firm. And like that to me is really cool when I can build my network and my network then uses me to, to get to other individuals. And I think that's a unique aspect of sales um, beyond just selling an actual product, but almost like selling a relationship and, and building on that. 
Yeah, 100%. I, I did the opposite of you, actually. I started on the whining and dining channel, yeah. like partner side, and then I went to the transactional side. I like yeah. I like them both, but I definitely like the relationships um, better. But I wouldn't trade my time in as a BDR for mm-hmm. anything because I have a very strong opinion that the ability to pick up the phone or go to a website um, do research on a human being or a business and be able to carve out a message, whether that's when you pick up the phone or when you write that email or that LinkedIn message that resonates with that person enough that they want to spend more time with you is a skill that like not a lot of people really understand what that could do yeah. for you in your life. And, and and you might not even realize it yet now that you're in this new role, but like the combination of your ability to build a relationship and network combined with what you learned as a BDR is going to be so priceless for you for the rest of your career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you know, the BDR, like outbound BDR specifically, where they're like that you're kind of that have that cold calling motion and emailing. I had so much fun with that. Like it, it's creative. And maybe you add that to the list of like when you're thinking about sales, it's like, do you like creativity? Because for me, like I made it a game, like writing an email. I'm like, how can I relate to this person? And they'll get back to me. I had such a better response rate on my first touch than any of my other emails. And I think it was because those first emails I would write, like I would throw in pictures. I would like, there was a, a boat company that I was reaching out to one day. And I'm like, how do I connect to this guy? who's like definitely in his fifties. Like I have nothing in common with him. Um, and he sells boats. And I was like, you know what? My dad has boats and he's rebuilt boats. So let me send a picture of an old boat that my dad rebuilt to this guy. And sure enough, he got back to me and I closed him as a client. And like, I'll always remember that guy um, and closing that deal. Like that was really cool to me. And, and now kind of fast forward to my current role, I'm doing a, a pilot program within my company where I'm like reaching out to chief financial officers and I'm back to that outbound kind of cold calling motion. And had I not had my experience at Clavio and how to capture someone, um, you know, on a first touch or a second touch, like I, I would struggle today, I think. So Clavio definitely helped me with the, the outbound motion. That's for sure. That's so cool. That's like a great, perfect example. Um, yeah. And I, I really like that advice of like, you know, kind of approaching the BDR role you know, it's almost like a marketer's mindset. Like, what yeah. am I going? What can I do to catch this person's attention? Who gets hundreds of emails, dozens of calls, right? Like, how yeah. do I stand out? How do I make my company stand out? And you know, and then, and then it's like celebrating the victories, just like you did when you want to when you want a, a, a meet, right? Like, it's totally. it's it's a game. Like at the end of the day, it's that you know you're trying to score. You know, that's yeah. really what it comes down to. And you're trying to get on the scoreboard. And when you do, you you got to enjoy it, right? Absolutely. Because it is highs and lows. Like you got to take the wins where you can get them. Because for every yes, I'll take a meeting. There's also a no, don't call me again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that it, it's such a good motion and muscle to build because you know, whether you stay at BDR and move up in your sales career or you decide to leave sales entirely, being able to handle rejection is so important. Like you got to be able to pick yourself up and be like, all right, five minutes later, I'm calling the next person and 
we keep rolling. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's an important mindset to have. Did you find, I always find this interesting. Did you find parallels between the, the athlete mindset of like perfect practice makes perfect and like the BDR role? Like did, did, did that come into play at all for you as a BDR? Totally. I think, you know, with swimming uh, and I think just being an athlete, you're always like a perfectionist. And my coach rarely gave out, gave out like uh good remarks or uh, positivity in a sense like he rarely complimented us is the best way to say it um it was always you could be better and his mindset is you can always be one percent better and i think that mindset has continued to kind of push into who i am today it's like i'm never going to be perfect um and i think what makes you get better is that mindset of you can always you know improve so you're always practicing um as a bdr we always did mock calls and in my current job today the guys that i work with we're always doing mock calls we're recording ourselves and then watching those videos over it's like okay maybe i got the pitch down but like that word that i used in that particular sentence i could swap it out with something else and so i think that kind of perfectionist mindset it makes you better. Like you're, if you're never satisfied, you're always striving for something. Um, so I, you know, that's a good mentality to have in my eyes. Uh, yeah. I, I love that. And I, I love that the folks that you work with now are still buying into that practice culture because it is yeah. really, really critical. Um, yeah. now we talk a lot about mentorship, right? Um, by the way, like I, you know, your, your, your poor coach from Richmond so far, he's made you cry and, and he's never given anybody I praise. He like <laughs> he's got like Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick over there. I know. I made him sound terrible, but he's like, he was like a father figure to me in college, yeah. which was, I think it was why he was so tough on me. Um, yeah. I'd spend summers training on campus each summer and like, had family dinners with his family. So as tough as he was, I knew it came from a place of love. Um, but yeah, did yep. he, he knew how to push my buttons. <laughs> yep. Yep. Can- candor is kind. I grew up yeah. with a hockey, a hockey coach as a dad. So like that, those relationships are so special. Yeah. And, and I, like, I was lucky. I, I had folks in my career that also like showed up very similar to me that the way you describe your coach. And I'm, I'm wondering from like a mentorship perspective, are there are there mentors you've identified um, in your career? And and you know, I'd love if you could highlight one and talk about a little bit about what you learned from from those mentors in your career on the career side. Yeah, I am fortunate. So the Boston team is me and three guys. Um, we're all like in our twenties, and you know, they're like my brothers at this point. And there's one guy on the team, his name's Dan. And if he listens to this, hopefully he's not embarrassed. But, um, you know, all the guys, we work hard together and they've been so supportive. I was the most recent joiner of the team. They've been so supportive and making sure that like I'm up to speed. Why Dan is such a good mentor for me is one, I feel like I can ask any single question I want to him and I never feel dumb. And it doesn't matter whether I should know the question or not. Like, I think having that kind of safe space to ask whatever I want um, has allowed me to grow a lot over the last year and a half. Um, He's taken the time to explain things and to coach me in a way that, you know, he asked from day one, how do you learn? And I said, hey, I'm a visual learner. So we would spend hours and hours 
at a whiteboard writing stuff down. And like he took the time to understand how I learn so that he could then coach me in ways that would allow me to grow really quickly. Um, you know, he's pushed me in ways that make me uncomfortable. I think that's really similar to what my college coach used to do. He knew what buttons to push that made me uncomfortable, but never left me alone on an island where I would fail. Um, you know, certainly failures are good here and there, but I always feel like I have this support with him and this open candor where we can be completely honest with each other, whether we agree on each other's opinions or not. Um, having that person that I can kind of lean on and be completely honest with has been huge in my career at DataSite. Well, shout, shout out to Dan at DataSite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so uh, we ask every guest these two last questions, um, yeah. Lexi. And the first one we like to ask is, is we, we want our guests to highlight one of their skills that's, that's really served them the most in their sales career. Kind of, you know, what's bringing them up to that elite level or, or, or potentially can continue to make them elite. So for you, if we ask you to highlight that one skill of yours, um, that, that's made you elite and, and has driven great outcomes for you, what would your, what would your answer be? I'd say I'm reliable. Um, and I think that translates back to, you know, being a teammate, I've always wanted to be reliable, um, whether it was in swimming or the three guys that I work with now. I want them to know that I have their backs, they have mine, and we're always going to show up. Um, it doesn't matter if we're out till 2 a.m. with clients the night before, like we show up the next day and I'm going to show up the next day and it's back to business as normal and we're going to be there for our clients. Um, from a client perspective, like I want them to know that I'm always going to you know, respond right away. I want them to know that they're going to get the answers. They're going to get the support that they need. Um, so I think if, if you're reliable in sales, if they can count on you, then they're going to continue to come back to you. And um, I think that reliability makes me a dependable person for my teammates and, and for my clients. I don't think we've ever gotten that answer, but I actually love that answer because that is really critical, right? As a sales professional, the, the it's you almost take it for granted. Like, of course, you should be reliable, but like truly being reliable is is half the battle i would say right yeah. um that's amazing now i mentioned my dad is being a coach and and we all grew up you know I, swimmers and hockey players have a lot of a lot in common because um we get we get limited access to the facilities where we can where yeah. we can practice right so we, we share early mornings growing up and we share the dedication and focus and discipline you need to have because you don't you can't just go in your backyard and practice it right um and and my dad used to tell us when we were little, like, there's a lot of people that play hockey, but there's not a lot of hockey players. And he was trying to instill into us this idea of like approaching things as as a professional, right? And 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 you know, I, I, I say, you know, the best thing you can call a salesperson is a pro. The other the other, you know, replacement for that is like, you know, this person is dialed in, right? Like I yeah. when I meet a great salesperson. I'm either calling them a pro or I'm like, you know, she is dialed in, right? Um, so I wanted to know, like, what does being dialed in or, or being a pro in sales, what does that mean to you? You know, the best way I can say is, like, I feel like you're relentless. And maybe this goes back to sports, but, like, 
no matter what obstacle you face, like you got to keep pushing. I think when you're relentless, like you're going to find a way to figure it out. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what the situation is, you can push through. And I think swimming kind of teaches you that grind, like athletics teaches you that grind. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, me being relentless is like, hey, I'm going to be, you know, there for my customers every single time. I'm dedicated to them. It's always chasing for my quota. It's finding new ways to meet new people that I want to be my client. Like you can be relentless in so many aspects of your life and in your career that I think that helps me to, by no means am I a pro right now, but hopefully it allows me to, to be a pro in the future. Yep. You got, you got everything it takes. And, and we always try to like uncover a title during the conversation. And I, I like to give my, my guy, Austin, a little nugget. I think the title is pretty simple here. It's relentless and reliable. That's, that's the title. <laughs> I love that. I love it. When I used to, I, when I was a, as a sales leader, I told my team, win them over, run them over. It's up to you, but get it done. You know, yeah, it's, um, it's up to you. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, Lexi, this was amazing. It's going to be awesome content for our, for our candidates and, and for people that listen to the show. I get notes all the time about how, how helpful this stuff is for, for our people. So thank you so much for, for giving us some time on a Thursday. I really appreciate you uh, jumping on the show. It's going to, it's going to be an awesome episode. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, JR. And enjoy your wedding. Have fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io.